So it's almost like an obsession, (laughs) a little unhealthy obsession. But what I would say is that I've put in a lot of work, but still that fear is getting in the way. So it's limiting me and things like, you know, I love to go, I used to run and I haven't gone running and I can't remember the last time I went running. Um, So things like that, like running or biking, shit, it's just activities that I once loved doing. I find excuses not to do them uh, because that fear just kind of gets in the way. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, a quick question for you. Does type 1 diabetes make you feel stuck? Do you feel like type 1 limits you and makes it harder to do the things that you want to do? If so, I have a free guide that can help you get unstuck and become more flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. To download your free copy, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. That's thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist for access to even more exclusive content. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. I wanted to give you a heads up that in early January, I'm planning to release a special episode of this podcast available only to podcast subscribers, and I don't want you to miss out. So if you haven't already subscribed, do me a favor, push pause right now and subscribe. And if you're already a subscriber, take a screenshot showing proof of your subscription and email it to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com or better yet, post it to your Instagram story and tag me, the diabetes psychologist in it. And I will make sure you get added to the list for access to this exclusive episode. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to dive deep into the topic of fear of low blood sugar. Fear of low blood sugar is actually very common for people with type 1 diabetes, and it can have wide-ranging impact on both their diabetes management and their quality of life. People with a fear of lows tend to keep their blood sugars in a higher range in order to avoid going low, and they also tend to avoid activities like exercise that they worry could make them go low. Having a little bit of anxiety about low blood sugars is helpful. It keeps us safe. But when this anxiety becomes paralyzing, it becomes a challenge that needs to be addressed. My guest today is Oriana. Oriana lives in Minneapolis and has had type 1 diabetes for almost 30 years. And recently, she's developed a pretty severe fear of lows, which has had a really big impact on all areas of her life. Not only is her A1C the highest it's ever been, but she feels trapped and like she can't do the things that she loves to do, like running. On this episode, I'm going to coach Oriana on some ways that she can manage her fear of lows. So this fear doesn't stand in her way of managing her diabetes well and living the life that she wants to live. Here's my coaching session with Oriana. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your your time and I'm looking forward to helping you. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your diabetes story? When you were diagnosed and what's life been like for you with diabetes since your diagnosis? 
Yeah, so I was diagnosed back in 91, I believe. Um, I was five years old. Um, and back then, I was living in Venezuela, which is where I'm from originally. So I didn't have the same level of access to, you know, diabetes technology. And um, the latest that even for that time wasn't available to me. Um, so it was a really, it, you know, it was hard. Uh, I remember running away from my parents when they came with the needles. The needles were like the size of my finger. Um, I didn't have a glucose meter right away. So it was like a range for your blood sugars and um, food labels, something that we take for granted now. I didn't have access to that either. It just wasn't a requirement back in Venezuela. So my parents would have to like weigh my food. And um, so if you think about that, it was just a completely different time um, back then. Now, you know, after a couple of years after I was diagnosed, we moved to the United States and it's been very different. I mean, I've led a very normal life, um, went to school, went to, you know, participate in gym class, went to sleepovers, went off to college, uh, lived on my own and have traveled quite a lot, actually, both uh, within the United States as well as internationally and by myself. Um, so I feel very fortunate to have, you know, pretty normal life um, thus far. Obviously, there's challenges. It's diabetes every day. You're, you know, it just becomes part of your life. But, um, you know, I haven't let that get in the way for the most part. And how are you managing diabetes right now? What sort of tools are you using? So I'm on the T-Slim and I have the basal IQ with that as well as Dexcom G6. You haven't I mean, gone over to control IQ yet. No, not yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> not comfortable with that. What gets in the way of you making that move? Um, so for me, I think it's, I'm at a point where I know my body pretty well. And there's just certain nuances that I think, you know, I know them because I know my body, but I feel like technology may not pick up on that, on those things. Um, so for example, when I take a shower, I like warm showers or hot showers. And so it does some fun, funny things with my numbers. And I just learned to like, you know, I'll double check, but usually ignore it. So I think, wow, if I have control IQ, it might be giving me correction boluses or then, you know, stopping my insulin as soon as I start coming back down. So I think that's the part that I, those nuances like that, that keep me from doing it. And the fact that it keeps you at a pretty low number for my comfort level. Yeah. So that kind of leads into one of your biggest challenges with diabetes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you want to focus on in our conversation today? Yes. So I would say my biggest challenge is fear of hypoglycemia. Um, and even, I would even say like, I don't even have to be low, but even keeping my blood sugars, what would be considered, you know, in range or, you know, in that lower kind of ideal pre-meal number, um, I get very nervous, like, well, what if my blood sugar drops unexpectedly and I don't have that cushion to protect me? Am I going to be safe? Am I going to be able to treat it in time before it gets into a more dangerous level of low blood sugar? What's your history with hypoglycemia? Have you ever had events where you've needed help or you've needed glucagon or have the paramedics called on you? Um, there was one recent experience where I overbolist at the time. And I was walking around and just didn't really react to the number that was coming down. I was hovering around the eighties and I thought, well, Oriana, 
this is okay. Like you're fine. Um, maybe got a little too confident with that and walked home. And essentially by the time I came home, I had a downward arrow with just low on my Dexcom. Um, so that was very worrisome for me. And, you know, I started treating and try to test my blood sugar. And for some reason, my meter wasn't working. It was like the perfect storm. Um, so I ended up administering uh, one of the nasal glucagons on myself um, and called the paramedics just in case, because I had never used a glucagon in my entire diabetes life. So um, that event was, it was just very, it, it really scarred me, I would say, because I've been extra anxious ever since that happened. Um, but luckily I was fine, you know, blood sugar bounced back up. I was able to manage it and was somewhat calm during it. It was just the aftermath that really, you know, I kept recalling that event. Um, so. And what's been the aftermath? How has it impacted how you're thinking about diabetes? How has it impacted your behavior, both your diabetes management, but also what you are able and willing to do in your life in terms of activities and other things? Um, well, diabetes has definitely become the focus for me, like on the forefront. It's always been there, but it's definitely now in the forefront. I think about it all the time. I'm constantly checking my um, CGM readings. And so it's almost like an obsession, <laughs> that a little unhealthy obsession. But I, what I would say is that I've put in a lot of work, but still that fear is getting in the way. So it's limiting me and things like, you know, I love to go, I used to run and I haven't gone run, running and I can't remember the last time I went running. Um, so things like that, like running or biking, shit, it's just activities that I once love doing. Now I find excuses not to do them because uh, that fear just kind of gets in the way. Because if you went for a run right now, what are you worried is going to happen? I'm worried that my blood sugar is just going to plummet. Because, um, you know, it does. I do. I'm very sensitive to exercise. So even if I start out at 200 or I've even gone for small walks at 300. And if I still have some insulin on board, I just come down like very quickly. Um, if not while I'm in doing the activity, then when I get back afterwards. So I'm fearful that you know, I'm going to have this really bad low and I'm not going to be able to stop it from <laughs> dropping to a dangerous level or react in time, I guess is the right word. So you'll be out of control and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. Exactly. Yeah. And then really bad things will happen, whether you have a seizure or you die or you pass out or you embarrass yourself. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I don't think about what could potentially happen. I think my fear is more around like, being out of control. Okay. I won't be able to stop it, but I don't think beyond that. I just think I won't be able to stop it. And then <laughs> that's just that anticipation of potentially going low. Yeah. That sense of being um, out of control though, is really what's the, the scary thing is. Yeah. How has this impacted your diabetes management? Oh my gosh, quite a bit. You know, I've had my highest day one C I think ever. Um, the last time I checked it, it was 10. Um, and so, you know, it's been hard because I keep myself elevated. I know what I need to do. I do a lot of work as far as like running down what I eat and what it does. So I, I have all the information and all the tools, but then that fear keeps me elevated. So I purposely, you know, sometimes under bolus or 
um, keep my basal rates a little bit lower than they should be. Um, so things like that, where I know what I could do to change it. I'm just really fearful of keeping myself lower. Yeah. It's those feelings of fear and those thoughts about being out of control that are just getting in the way of you taking action. You know what the action is, Yes, but yes. You're, you're not able to just get past that point where you can, you can start behaving in that way. Right. Right. It's like, I'm stuck. I get yeah. stuck. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing for lots of people is in diet with diabetes is this feeling stuck feeling like it's diabetes is holding them back, whether it's because of low blood sugars or because of burnout or anxiety, whatever the issue is, the, the common theme that we hear is people feeling really stuck. Mm-hmm. So if we had a magic wand and we were able to take away your fear of hypoglycemia, what would life be like for you? How could how would life be better or different than it is right now? Oh my gosh. It would feel like a big weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, just you know, I would feel so much better. I notice even when my blood sugar is like below 200, which does, you know, it might seem high to some people, but for me, like that's, that's, you know, really good for me to be below 200. I just feel so much better. I'm in a better mood. Um, I'm not as thirsty. I have more energy. And so I, I just feel like that would be, I would just feel a lot better. And then being able to go and do the activities that I love doing and enjoy doing, um, that make me happy would, would be, um, would be great if I didn't have that fear. And then obviously having a better A1C is better for me in the long run as well. Um, cause that is something that I think about, you know, is the long-term complications. Yeah. And the long-term complications are really important to think about, but I'm also really glad that you talked about your quality of life first, because we can talk about long-term complications forever, but in the end, an A1C of 10 doesn't really mean much if it doesn't have an impact now. And, but being able to change your behavior and get over your fear is going to have an impact for you now because it's going to help you manage your diabetes better, but it's also going to help you be less tired and be able to go, go for runs or go for bike rides or go for hikes and have that freedom that you don't feel that you have right now. Right. Yeah. So what have you been doing recently to try to deal with this challenge? What has worked for you? What has been challenging? What hasn't worked that you tried to overcome this fear of hypoglycemia? I would say that things that help are a lot of mindfulness. I mean, I, you know, I do some meditation and and I, a lot of self-talk of, Hey, like you're safe and kind of reminding me, you have a Dexcom that will alert you if you're going low. Um, you know, I have a meter that I can always double check my numbers in case I don't trust the Dexcom. I've got glucose tablets, glucagon. So kind of going through that list of here are all the things that you have mm-hmm. to keep you safe, all the technology and the clarity or being able to share it with my family is also one that's been really helpful. And then, you know, monitoring how certain foods affect me in doing basal testing, I have found that to be very helpful, at least recently. Um, Because then I know that, hey, if if I am at a normal number or a more in-range number, um, the likelihood of me going low, if I haven't exercised or bolus or done anything really out of the ordinary are very slim. Um, So there's a level of comfort there. I would say what has not worked is forcing myself to be at a certain number. 
I've tried that before, um, adjusting doses without really doing putting in the work to figure out what works and just trying to get the blood sugar lower or trying to be in a range that doesn't work <laughs> at all for me. Um, or I think you mentioned the complications. Like if I focus on that, that fear is just not, that's just another fear that I don't need. And it, it's really not helpful for me at all to think about it that way. Um, so I really try to focus on just getting myself to be more comfortable and, and also lowering my ranges, but it, so it's comfortable for me, but not, it may not be where I want to be, but at least it's getting those baby steps to bring me down a little bit more. Um, that has been helpful. What would you say if I told you that you may never be comfortable in a lower range? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's my fear. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's hard to think about it that way. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, I'm putting in all this work you hope that eventually you can get there. You can kind of get over that. Um, and I hope I don't have to deal with this, you know, my entire life, as far as that fear goes. It's hard to hear that. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that you're never going to be comfortable in the lower range. But what I do think is that if you wait until you're comfortable being in a lower range, until you're able to get there, you're probably never going to get there. Waiting to be comfortable is likely one of the biggest barriers that you have to getting where you need to be. Look what happens when you bring yourself down to that place of, let's say, below 200 or below 180 or wherever that, that barrier is for you. And all of a sudden, you start feeling scared. You start feeling out of control. Your mind starts racing. What's your immediate reaction? To raise my blood sugar. Yeah to avoid it. <laughs> and yes, you're raising your blood sugar. The function of raising your blood sugar isn't raising your blood sugar. It's to take that anxiety away or try to, yes. try, try to put it out. Yeah. And, and while that makes total logical sense, it's also what's keeping you stuck in this fear. Because when you go there and you say, oh, I can't handle feeling this way. I can't handle... Uh, my hand shaking or my, my sweating or feeling low, or I can't handle the anxiety that comes along with that. Then you pull back and you say, oh, well, and then you, you bring yourself up to a place where you can't handle it. And you say, okay, I feel safe here. And I'll go back there when I feel like I can handle it. But the more you do it, the harder it's going to be to feel comfortable anywhere, but where you are, where you are or even higher. Yeah. And so part of this is being okay with feeling uncomfortable. And I know that's a, an odd thing for a psychologist to say, but it's really the only way that you're going to get, get past this. I think that using your, the logic that you've been talking about, you know, knowing that you have glucose available, knowing that you have all the tools, your CGM and your pump, you have a meter to back yourself up. All of those things are really helpful. They're good information that you can use to feel comfortable in moving to that place. But if that mm -hmm. if the fear all of a sudden makes you retract and go back to the higher blood sugars, then that cycle is going to continue. You're going to push the limits. It's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to pull off. And, and the next time you go back, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. What we need to work on with you is getting you to a place where you know logically that you're safe, but you know that you can handle that anxiety um, that is happening. And then what happens is you get information. You say, okay, I'm at 150 and I feel really scared, but nothing's happening. 
I can still walk straight. I can still talk. Or an even scarier place for you would be my blood sugar is 100 and I see one or two arrows down on my CGM. That's scary. But at that point, you have the ability to get up and walk to the refrigerator and get some orange juice. And to gain confidence that even though you're feeling scared, that you can still take care of yourself. You're not actually going to be out of control. That feeling scared doesn't mean being out of control. That makes sense. What would you say? So this is something that um, that I've noticed, and I, you know, you mentioned it, kind of pushing those limits. And I've, you know, there's been times when I've done that, um, but there may be an event where I do get an unexpected low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then what I kind of tell myself is, oh, you see, you were right. Like you, you, you let yourself be in range and now look what happened. So it's almost like I'm finding that excuse or not excuse, but like an example of to re um, affirm that, oh, if you're at an elevated level, then you're going to be safe. So what, what, what tips or recommendations do you have for when something like that does happen? So I don't revert back, um, after I put in all that work to sort of get to that point of feeling more comfortable. I actually really hope that you do have an unexpected lows. That would be a sign that your blood sugars are in good range. And so that would be a positive thing in my mind. You mentioned before that you've never had a, a low blood sugar where you've needed the paramedics, you needed someone else's help. You had that one time when you gave yourself glucagon, that that's actually good evidence about what I'm about to say. Throughout your life with diabetes for the past 25 years, you've been able to keep yourself safe every time. There's never been a point where you haven't been able to, but you have a perception that if your blood sugar is too low, that you're going to tumble into this place of being out of control. That's never happened to you before. So every time your blood sugar has been low before, and I know that it has been, you've been able to take care of yourself, even that time when it was really scary. Yeah. It's remembering that, remembering that even if I have an unexpected low, that when that happens, I still have the ability. I, ha- I have glucose tablets right next to my bed. I can open the glucose tablets. I have the ability to eat them. I have the resources that I need, both the cognitive resources, the ability to think about this and make decisions, as well as the physical resources, the glucose tablets, the juice to be able to help myself. When you let the fear get in the way, what's happening is your emotions are telling you something that's not actually accurate. They're saying, you know, you need to be scared or you need to be, have some anxiety. And sure, right. when your blood sugar goes low, I hope you have anxiety. That's helpful. That's keeping you safe. If you didn't have any anxiety about it, your blood sugar would just keep on dropping and you wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything about it. So having that anxiety is actually a huge benefit to you. But then to know that that anxiety doesn't have to paralyze you, but it actually keeps you safe because it prompts you to action. Right. If the goal is to avoid unexpected lows, well, then of course you're going to keep your blood sugar high and avoid any kind of activity that may send your blood sugar low. That's not a realistic goal with well-managed diabetes. Right. The realistic goal is to say, when my blood sugar goes low, I'm going to be aware of it because I have a CGM that's going off and telling me it's low. I have the ability to take care of myself and I can handle it. I can handle feeling uncomfortable, but I can also handle what I need to do to take care of myself and make sure my blood sugar comes up. It's one giving yourself some evidence that you can handle it. And you have plenty of evidence from your entire life with diabetes if you handle this stuff. But it's also giving giving yourself more evidence now that you can handle it. But also evidence that you can handle not only taking care of your your blood sugar, but also that you can handle 
feeling anxious. You can handle those uncomfortable feelings and you can sit there with them and be there using that mindfulness to say, okay, I'm feeling anxious, but I can see that on my CGM, my blood sugar is 170. And so my feelings of anxiety and my blood sugar are not matching. And so I can sit here with this. And then guess what? You sit there for a little while and you say, okay, I'm feeling more comfortable at 170. I'm no longer anxious because I see that it's safe. Right. I can run myself down to 150. And then you see, okay, wow, it's 150. And I feel uncomfortable. Maybe I'm feeling a little, a little low because I'm used to running high. And so my body thinks I'm low, but I know that I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm still able to think and talk and do all the things I need to do. And then you give yourself more evidence and that helps you feel safer. And then eventually you get to a point where you don't, wouldn't do this on purpose, but you, you allow your blood sugar to go low if it does. Maybe you, know, you have a big meal and take insulin for it. Maybe you overshoot or maybe your metabolism is different today and your blood sugar goes low. Of course, you're going to be nervous. That's expected and, and that's a good thing. But then you go and you treat it and you say, okay, well, even though I was scared, I had the ability to take care of myself. While low blood sugars are scary, now I have the confidence I need to be able to deal with this and to take care of it. But this takes practice. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's going to be something that's going to require some work and some ability to handle discomfort, to tolerate distress. But once you're able to get over that hump, I think it's going to be a lot easier for you. Yes, I hope so. But you're right. I mean, I've noticed that sometimes I start to feel so nervous that it almost feels like I am low, even though I'm not. And so I have to sort of wait it out to see, is it really a symptom of me going low or is it just anxiety and, and kind of figuring that out to, to your point, to be able to sit with that discomfort. And remember the feelings of low blood sugar and the feelings of anxiety are very similar for good reason, because when your blood sugar is dropping low, your body is saying, I need some help. Yeah. What anxiety is, right? I need some help. And so mm-hmm. if you didn't have those feelings, you probably wouldn't do anything, but the feelings definitely overlap. And, but for you, they've gotten a little bit skewed. And so those feelings of anxiety are kicking in too early which is causing you to keep your blood sugar higher. There's one thing I want to come back to though, because yeah. it's, it's been a theme throughout our conversation. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that you haven't turned on control IQ yet because you're not sure about trusting the system. You're not sure that it can handle you. Yes. But also on the same note, you said that you don't really trust yourself. You don't trust yourself to be able to take care of your lows or you don't trust yourself to be able to get yourself in control when you're feeling out of control. I wonder if there's a common theme there of of trust with yourself and with technology and diabetes and being able to feel confident that even though things may not go perfectly, that you can ride those waves and you can manage your diabetes in a safe way, but in a healthy way. No, that's interesting you say that. And I understand like that diabetes is not predictable by any means, but I have noticed that um, there are times when I, I get very frustrated and angry if something doesn't turn out the way I expected. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad or and I shouldn't use bad or good, but you know, oh, my blood sugar came a little bit below my target blood sugar. And so it's like, oh, I don't have control. Like I, that shouldn't have happened. So that whole like should, I, I find myself saying that a lot. Um, like, oh, this should have happened or that should have happened. And when it doesn't, Uh, Again, it's that feeling of feeling out of control. That's where I think some of the emotional things kick in and whether it's anxiety or frustration um, with diabetes. 
couple of things I want to challenge you to do over the next couple of weeks and see how they work for you. The first okay. is to think about turning Control IQ on for a couple of reasons. One is that Control IQ has a great job at keeping your blood sugars in, a, in range. Even though it's a tighter range than you probably want, it has those safety mechanisms in place to be able to turn off basal rates when your blood sugars are low and to give correction when they're high. But also it's a process of trust for you and a good test of feeling uncomfortable. Because I know that doing that may make you feel anxious and that's okay, but that's a good practice to say, okay, I feel anxious, but I can handle this. And wow, my blood sugars are actually in a better range. It's going to bring them down to a place where it may be a little bit nerve wracking for you, but again, that you can handle it. The other thing that I'm going to encourage you to do is to bring your blood sugars down slowly. So I would say every week, reduce your target range by 10 points. Right now, you're trying to keep your blood sugars above 200 all the time. For the next week, aim for 190. Anytime that you're above 190, correct. And make sure you're taking your insulin appropriately for your food and get comfortable a little bit lower. That's going to help your body adjust so you won't have that feeling of low as as intensely as you might if you brought it down a lot feeling low when you're not really low, but also gets you feeling more comfortable with seeing those numbers on the screen and say, okay, 190, I'm a little nervous here, but I know that I'm safe. I can still function here. And then to 180, 170, and you just keep bringing them down 10 points a week over the next couple of weeks. And if, you, if you're able to do that and you're able to go slowly and make those adjustments, you're going to learn pretty quickly that you can handle these things and that you can handle the anxiety, but that you can also handle seeing that number on the screen and get more evidence that you are safe at that number. And I think that's going to give you the confidence that you need to really take the next step and start doing things that that you want to be doing in life, like going for runs and being able to have your blood sugar in your target range, you know, 120 area uh, for long periods of time without this fear that, that you're going to go low and be out of control. Because you certainly may go low, but you're not going to be out of control that you can handle that and you can uh, take appropriate action to fix it when that happens, because it will. That sounds great. How does that plan sound? Is that something that you're willing to to give a shot to? Oh, I think, to be honest, the reducing um, the targets by 10 points each week, I think that will be a really good um, test for me. The control IQ, I think, will take a little bit more of that uh, discomfort first before feeling comfortable going there. But um, yeah, it's something I can definitely consider doing in a few. Yeah. We'll see about that one. (laughs) It's kind of the same concept. I understand that you're wary of it and that you may not trust the system completely and that's totally okay. But the only way that you're going to be able to trust the system completely is by using it. If you wait until you say, okay, I finally got into the point where I trust it without actually having used it, that's going to be disingenuous. If you say, I'm going to dive in and see how it works, and I'm going to learn to see if I can trust it, then get evidence whether you can trust it or not. Because it's possible that you can't. Let's let's be honest. Sure. It's, it's unlikely, but it's possible that that system doesn't work for you. And that it sends your blood sugars all kinds of crazy places that you can't control, and it's not, it's not the right fit for you. Okay, that, that's a possibility in the realm of possibilities. That's there. But, sure. But you'll never know whether it's going to work for you or not, unless you give it a try. Yeah. And the system is built to be safe 
And you have the ability to take care of yourself, even if the system goes haywire. So you want to be able to get to a point where you can take that step and gain evidence. And then maybe the Mm -hmm. evidence is this works great for me. Maybe the evidence is this doesn't work at all for me, but until you do it, you'll actually never know. And you'll be stuck in the place of this isn't for me because it's not going to work. That's a thought. And that thought may be true, but it also may not be true. There's only one way to find out. Yeah. I like it. Something to think about. I know it's a, yeah. problem, it's a big ask, but I think that if you're able to do that and you're able to get through a couple of days on Control IQ and see how it works for you, um, I think that the snowball effect in a good way will yeah. get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you'll be like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. So just need to be able to take that first step and give it a shot. Absolutely. Well, I hope you'll be willing to come back in a couple of months and let us know how things are going, what challenges yes. you've had and what successes you've had by implementing the suggestion that we've given you today. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks, Oriana. I always like hearing from my listeners. And I would love to hear from you. Do you want to get life coaching on a future episode? If so, send me an email at mark at com or send me a DM on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist and let me know. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review and a rating on iTunes. That really helps me spread the word about this podcast so more people can benefit. And be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.